The Athletic. Hello and welcome to You Irons, the West Ham podcast from The Athletic. I'm Sam Delaney. I'm joined as always by the West Ham correspondent at The Athletic, Rashane Thomas. And we are recording this the morning after a fantastic victory over um, a side, would I call them arch rivals? Just, I mean, I, I don't know how to verbalise it. Just one of mine, and I know a lot of other members of the West Ham families, most hated clubs, the club that tried to put us out of business Sheffield United. Now, as we record this, we don't know whether or not Sheffield United are launching some sort of legal response to last night's result. Um, I think we have to assume that the wheels will be in motion and that at some point later today, we will receive notification from their legal representatives that they have found a, a petty administrative reason to dispute the result. But until that happens, gang, <laughs> let's just enjoy the moment because they don't last very long. For a fleeting moment last night, we were fourth in the Premier League. Proper fourth as well because when we hit fourth a few weeks ago, there was a lot of Spurs fans and Chelsea fans saying, oh, we've got all these games in hand. We've got all the games in hand. you paid more games than us. That's why you're t- fourth. Well, not anymore, lads. Uh, all right, Chelsea are above us, but we are above Liverpool yeah. and way above Tottenham and we're on the same matches. So suddenly this all feels very legitimate. Uh, Rashane, how did you feel about last night's performance? So I have two takeaways about that performance. The first being I'm convinced David Moore reads the athletic. I'm convinced <laughs> he reads the athletic because I wrote a piece last week and I actually got the idea from you, pal, from Bowen. Yeah, and I wrote a piece on like, listen, why, why do boys keep taking off Jared Bowen? Like, what's going on here? Mm. Like, this guy should be playing the full match. He's talented. Obviously, sometimes struggles are form, but you need to have him on the pitch. Lo and behold, Jared Bowen plays the full ninety minutes against Sheffield United. So I was like, yep, yeah, David Moyes definitely wrote that piece. <laughs> That's mm. for sure. He definitely wrote that piece. But all in all, I thought it was a really good performance. When it mattered most, West Ham turned up. In the first half, I thought we were lucky not to concede because Sheffield United created a few chances. But yeah, the team played well. I thought it worked well playing Jared Byrne as a central, central striker. You can definitely see he's an upgrade from playing Yarmolenko there. Bone has the work rate. He has the pace. He made a lot of good runs last night. It's unfortunate his teams couldn't find him. But listen, that will, have, that will come with time. So I feel like Moyes has finally found um, a good solution in the event that Antonio keeps struggling with, struggling with fatigue. So, yeah, promising performance, pal. Another win to sustain the title challenge. Not Sorry, not title challenge, European challenge. <laughs> well, a few weeks ago, we did think it was a uh, title challenge and it's so frustrating. I mean, God, look, listen to how spoiled I am, you know, immediately. But it's so frustrating. The, perform- the most frustrating performance of the season for me is the whole season is certainly our one against Liverpool, where I felt we were on peak form and ready to yeah. take on the world. And if we'd really gone toe-to-toe with Liverpool in that game, when you look at Liverpool's results since then, uh, they were so there for taking lesser teams than us have taken points off them since that game. And it's so frustrating because if we'd just turned up and been a bit more bold in that match, and if we'd managed to nick a result against Fulham, then you know, maybe we'd still be knocking on the door of, of Manchester City in spite of the fact that, like I say, we're missing our key centre-forward 
for some for many people the the key player in our team Antonio because it's he's the player that the system is effectively built around a lot of the time and Ogbonna who for me is our best player this season so far and that's a tough contest to win and that was what was so satisfying about last night wasn't it not just the attack but the fact that we adapted back to a back three and and managed to keep a clean sheet without Ogbonna in the team a really amazing all-round performance yeah and obviously great to see Diop get on the score sheet again and you know what's really pleasing the, the fact that players who have been brought in from the cold have had an immediate impact like it hasn't taken them a while to you know yeah. get going they're just they're just like you know what I have, an, I have a chance now I'm gonna do whatever I can to, to not lose my place in the team and it's so great to see that and we saw that last night from from Diop Diop at times he's known for being a little bit shaky on the ball but listen he scored last night that's the most important thing another clean sheet and I actually thought when he was uh, brought on in the first half against Man United he played well with Dawson I felt like they had a good partnership developing and it's great to see that again last night what excuse me my 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 uh, my mistake Virgil van Dawson I mean not yeah, Dawson Virgil van, van yeah Virgil Get van right. Dawson Virgil yeah, van Dawson right, yeah. I mean uh, I think he's probably a bit old to Southgate, as Antonio has found to his cost. He's only really interested in players who've only been playing a couple of years for the England squad. But uh, Dawson on form, I've said this before and just strengthened my opinion last night. It, Dawson should be in the England squad. I can't see any English centre-back at the moment who's better than him on form. I, I mean that as well. It sounds might yeah. sound facetious, might sound like a joke, but I, you know, I've I've seen Maguire... And Dawson, at the moment, you'd have him all day long in the team over Maguire. Yeah, and I wrote a piece last week, like a background on Dawson's journey to West Ham. If you haven't read it, check it out. It's on the Athletic website right now. And Liam Ridgewell, one of um, Dawson's former teammates at West Brom, he was like, listen, this guy's talented. If you think about all the other defenders, Dawson has one of the best, like, uh, goal scoring stats for a defender mm, like yeah. this guy has always had a chance to score from set pieces why on earth is he not being considered for England Gareth Southgate has always said he wants to pick players on form yeah well that, I mean he says that Southgate but it's patently <laughs> not true because if he was picking <laughs> yeah. players on form then Antonio certainly would have been in the England squad in, in, in over the summer yeah. um, he would have you know at the end of last season he was the best English centre forward in the country Cresswell, as well, is someone who, if it was on, on form alone, would be in the England squad right now too. Uh, his versatility, both his left-back and left-centre-back, is incredible. And um, I think he's got the highest assist rate in the team right now and one of the highest assist rates in the leagues. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, six assists, and I'm so happy for Cresswell. And I feel like, you know, when I reflect on Cresswell's season so far, I feel like he's taken on more responsibility like whenever, let's say, Crestwell, like for example, in the first half, I'm pretty sure it was the first half, Crestwell was a great free kick, let's say 30 yards from goal, and uh, it went over the bar, and Crestwell was so annoyed with himself, like, ah. Yeah. Oh, it was a terrible free kick. Yeah, it was terrible, <laughs> but like, I was happy to see the fact he was frustrated, because yeah. that Crestwell last season had been like, oh, it went over the bar. You know what I mean? This Crestwell was yeah. like, why on earth did I hit the target? Like, come on, yeah. I've got to do better. And I'm loving that sort of self-development we're seeing for Crestwell. I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but... I'd imagine last season Cresswell achieved like maybe one or two assists. Mm. One or two assists. This guy has six assists so far. More than capable of getting in a region of eight or ten. Like I'm so happy for him in terms of development. I actually feel like Cresswell is best in the back five. Yeah. I honestly think he's best in the back five. I agree. Because... I agree. Yeah, yeah. I'll let, I'll let you expand your point as well. Well, I mean, he, he, you know, the thing is, as a fullback, 
he is no longer quite the flying fullback he was when he first arrived at West Ham, when he linked up so well down the wing, overlapping runs. He still does that. He can still do it when he's playing left back. But I think he's older. He suffered an injury a while back, which means that he never quite recovered his, his full pace that he used to have. And so it's, you know, it's exhausting for him to get up and down. But left back, he's almost like a left centre back. He's like a secret weapon because he's extremely tidy in defence. But usually no one is expecting your centre back to be a threat going forward. But he takes up that sort of deep position on the left and receives balls from whoever's playing left wing back and delivers beautiful crosses from there which is not always a position that the opposition are, are ready for you to be attacking from because he's just not someone who, who yeah. you're you're not accounting for someone in that position to be attacking you've got your eyes on the wingers and the forwards and the running midfielders but when you add an extra center back to that whole mix it's just one extra headache for yeah. for the defenders isn't it yeah, and it, and it's sort of unique in a sense where he's not actually a centre back; he's a he's a left back still. The two sort of complement each other, which yeah. is just which is brilliant. And you know what? Prior to the season, I was actually concerned about Cresswell because I thought it was he struggled a bit last season. I know he scored that winning goal against Chelsea, but I was like, you know, I'm not I'm not really sure if Cresswell's going to kick on here. Thirty, mm. you know, probably going to reach the sort of twilight of his career. Not going to see the 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 old Cresswell that was playing for England. And listen, he's he's proved us all wrong, playing brilliant football, and it's just great to see because. You know, as we touched on earlier, I'm always believing there's another level in West Ham's game. I feel like the best is yet to come from from Quinn Cresswell, honestly. I think, you know, if you look at the way in which Moyes and his coaching team clearly impact upon every player in that squad and improve almost without exception everyone, including players that have long since been written off, right? Cresswell is almost top of that heap. I mean, we've seen what he's done with Antonio and... Um, you know, we've seen Ogbonna, who, you know, a couple of years ago was being, you know, written off by some people. You know, we've seen what he's done with them. But Cresswell, I think in the summer, we, we, we could probably listen back to episodes of this if we could be bothered, which, we, of course, we can't. And I'm sure we were talking about the necessity to sign a left back in the summer. There was a lot of chat about Rico Henry joining from Brentford or the lad whose name escapes me from QP. We were linked with a lot of left-backs. It seemed like a priority position because I think most West Ham fans and seemingly the coaching staff too thought, like you say, Cresswell's best days were behind him. It was considered a problem position. That and centre-back. Well, look at us now. You know, we centre-back is is the, the position in the team where we have the least issues because even when Ogbonna's out, in comes Diop. Even if Diop couldn't make it, in comes Balbuena. All of them have played brilliantly whenever they've been called upon this season. But meanwhile, Cresswell has just been sensational. Um, a shout, surely, with all of those assists uh, for Hammer of the Season. Would you agree? Yeah, I reckon he's a strong contender. I still, I still have it on the top. Mm. But yeah, Cresswell is definitely a strong consideration. You know what, Sam? Just thinking about it now. You know, I mentioned earlier that I reckon, well, not reckon that, you know, David Moyes definitely reads the athletic. And I reckon the players will be listening to the pod, you know, Sam. They definitely yeah. listen to the pod. I criticise Craig Dawson. He's proved me wrong. Criticise Masuaku. 
prove me wrong. Put it aside, mm. Barbarina, prove me wrong. I was like, Chris, I'm not really sure about your season. He's having a great season. I feel like, obviously, last week, you jokingly mentioned, you know, Fredericks looks frightened whenever he's on the ball. And yeah. they scored last night. We need to start criticising more players, mate. It's, I know. it's working. I know. <laughs> I mean, the, the thing is, Chris, well, uh, uh, sorry, Fredericks last night, he comes on now and he comes on with confidence. My point about him was, is that I think he's got a lot going for him, but I think on the ball, he can sometimes look nervous. He didn't last night. I actually, no, I'm, I'm wrong there. He did look a bit nervous when he got the ball, right? He, he looked like he didn't want to shoot. He thought, surely someone's going to block me. And the Sheffield United defence backed off and backed off. And it was like they might as well have given him a handwritten invitation to score a goal. Good football. Fredericks almost invited to have a go here. Does and scores. It is 3-0 now. And really, you'd have to say Sheffield United just stood and watched that happen. Moyes has said in his interview after the game that he feels that West Ham have another level to go to. And some people might scoff and think, hang on a minute, West Ham are punching well above their weight. You know, uh, they're, they're fifth in the Premier League. It's mid-February. There's no level West Ham can go above this. And, uh, you yeah, know, people would have a point, you know, based on past performances, based on the size of our budgets, based on the size of our squad. OK, fine. However, I think I know what he means. I think there's two things that he's referring to there in my mind. One is the fact that there has been glimpses, and we saw a little bit of it last night when we were going forward, and we've seen it in other games, um, Crystal Palace, arguably our best performance of the season, where we've looked formidable, where we've had spells in games where we have absolutely rinsed out the opposition. They can't get the ball off of us. We're attacking from every angle. We're creating chances at will. You know, we've seen that, uh, but it's never really lasted for whole games yet. And when we have performed at our very best as well, and here's the key thing, I think it's been against the clubs who are either below us or around us in the table. The, the next level for this team is whether or not we can go toe-to-toe with the so-called bigger clubs, the traditional uh, Champions League teams. Well, well, first of all, I'll say, yeah, you're definitely, definitely spot on with that side, man. You know, David Moyes, if you listen to this podcast, I apologise for not getting you a Valentine's Day card because mm-hmm. you deserve you deserve one. You've been absolutely amazing for us yeah. West Ham fans. And you know what? When I heard David Moyes say that last night at the post match press conference, I was like, perfect timing. Perfect timing because you say that when you just win and there's a tough run of games coming up. You don't say that when you have, you know, you've got Fulham. Uh, Sheffield United, West Brom, kind of like you say it, to give the players belief that they can go toe-to-toe with the big clubs. There's a lot of lessons learned from that previous defeat against Liverpool. We both spoke about, you know, it's sort of feeling like West Ham sort of felt defeated before the match. They didn't have the belief they could get a result. I have the mindset now, the players have the mindset as well, heading into this game against Tottenham, that we can beat Tottenham. Tottenham right now are on a bad run of form. Tottenham right now, they don't feel like an, an inferior team to me. They're struggling under Mourinho. Yes, they got Harry Kane. And when you have Harry Kane, you always have a chance of winning. But Atono should be back. Declan Rice playing with confidence. Lingard's playing fantastic football. Suchek wasn't even his best last night, but he's still a, a key player. Like, there's so much things riding, going for West Ham right now that we should approach that match and be like, we can get a win. We can mm. get a win. We shouldn't play for a draw or hope not to. We can get a win. Like, we're looking down on Tottenham right now in the league. And that is, says a lot about West Ham's progress. And obviously, there's tough games after that. Man City and so on and so forth. But you think back to the previous game against Tottenham, 3-3 draw. We came back. We came back. Look how distraught the Tottenham players were. That match against uh, Man 
City, we were really good. 1-1 one, one draw. So I feel like West Ham should have the belief that they can get some good results in this tough period coming up. I hope so. I hope so. I hope the players have the confidence. I think they do. I don't think it's been... I, I, I don't think it's been the players' fault necessarily when we've come up short in certain games. I think that sometimes, I think, and God knows I'm not here to criticise David Moyes, who is a hero. He's close. If he keeps this up, he's close to being a legend. But, you know, I just sort of think that at the moment, he still is telling them a little bit to play, to take a slightly different, more cautious approach to games when we're up against these sides. And I think it's just a mistake. We have got to go for the throat against Tottenham. Absolutely go for the throat. And we should remember that we got a result against them when we were in a relegation battle last season. Right. And uh, so clearly a weaker team, a less threatening team than we are now. Now we are a serious team. You know, yeah. we're not the best team in the Premier League. We're probably not the second or third best team in the Premier League. Probably. But bloody hell, opposing managers are not going to want to come up against a side like ours at the moment. You and I have said many times that we don't think there's any better midfield partnership in the Premier League than Rice and Suchek. But I would say against United and Liverpool, they were both made to look a bit leggy. And maybe they were. Maybe it was just the fact that they both played a lot of games and, and, and are a bit knackered. But maybe when you're up against players, if you look at Liverpool's midfield, even with the injuries they had, you know, there's elite players in that midfield, you know. And you sort of wonder whether or not West Ham's, you know, may, maybe those players, because they're both very young, still need that extra bit of canniness, that extra 1% when they come up against the very best. Because God knows when they're up against Palace, Sheffield United or West Brom, they absolutely dominate the opposition and, and often win the game for us from midfield. But not so much against these bigger clubs. Um is that to do with their mentality? Is it to do with their, the stage of their progress as players? Or is it to do with tactics? Does it just mean very simply that, you know, often there's just, they're kind of two men who sit there for us and the rest of our players are all attack-minded wingers. Maybe <laughs> they need a, an extra third man in midfield. Maybe opposition managers have thought, well, if you just put an extra man, you can compete with Rice and Suchek. What What do you think it is? I mean, maybe you think I'm wrong. Maybe you think that I'm yeah. being too harsh on them. No, I get where you're coming from, but I look at it two ways. One, they're still, you know, early in their careers. So they're this good and they're still so young. No, we're near their prime. But I think one one element is that Suchek is so, he's so keen on driving into the box. He's so keen on driving into the box. And whenever he does that, sometimes they can leave a bit of gap in the field. And I always remember it, that Chelsea defeat in December, where there was a throw-in. And Suchek, you could just tell he wanted to run into the box. You could just tell he wanted to run into the box. Mm. And Ryan sort of gave him that look where, you know, like, where you're a parent, right? And you know your child's going to do something naughty. And you give them a look to say, don't you dare. Don't you even dare. 
I have to sort of look that Declan Rice gave Suchek like, don't you dare run into the box, mate. Like, don't, don't, even, don't even think about it. Don't even think about it. And I feel like that's why, to an extent, why West Ham get overrunning midfield. But listen, West Ham, as we touched on, near the podcast, have one of the best midfield duo in the Premier League right now. We have a, a box-to-box goal scorer midfield in Suchek, which is very hard in this era. Very, mm. very hard. I can't think of any other teams in the top flight who have a similar midfield. They're capable of scoring goals like Suchek. And we have a midfield in Declan Rice, who, in my opinion, has gone... The extra mile to work on his, the weak areas of his game, whether it be free kicks, pennies, which we saw last night. When I saw Declan Rice step up to take the penny, I was thinking, Declan Rice, what on earth are you doing, mate? What on earth are you doing, yeah. Declan? But he scored. He had the confidence he could score, and it's great to see, as, you, as we touched on, both so young, no one ever prime, but what they're doing is just remarkable. So, with experience, they'll improve, and that's hopefully be for West Ham's benefit. Chance here then for West Ham. No problem with VAR for this one. They do have the penalty. And Rice dispatches it for his first goal of the season. And the first person to hug him is Jesse Lingard. As if to say, well, sorry, mate. You basically missed the West Ham right now, Declan Rice. He's completed all the objectives to become Mr. West Ham. You know, like in video games, where you have to come against the last boss. The last yeah, mission yeah. for West Ham, the last mission for Declan Rice, rather, is to carry a fan off the pitch. It's got a fan off the pitch, and then you completed all objectives to become Mr. West Ham. But yeah, yeah. yeah it's, just, it's just been great to see the the sort of um, development he's going under. We all know he's a great leader. But just it's just the goals. That's the one area I feel like Declan Rice needs to work on. Add more goals to his game. He's seen and imagined Scott McTominay scoring goals for Man United. And Declan Rice be thinking, listen, I'm a better player. Like I, mm. I can do something similar. So, yeah, it's been great to see. Yeah, he is uh, our Roy the Rovers, isn't he? Should we talk yeah. about the, the incident with him and Jesse Lingard uh, when that <laughs> penalty came about? It was, a, it was an interesting one, but I thought it ended quite well. First of all, though, I mean, we'll get on to talking about Lingard's performance, but I have to say, the way in which Sheffield United conceded that penalty was absolutely <laughs> sensational. I loved it. And as much as I hate Sheffield United, I've got to give them credit. And I can't remember the name of the defender who did the foul. But I sort I think of think, Chris yeah, if you're going to give away a pen, do it like that. Do you know what I mean? Not one of these namby-pamby penalties we see nowadays where someone accidentally breathes too hard on a player. They go down. It goes to VAR. Turns out there's a new rule that none of us knew about that you're not allowed to breathe too hard in the box. And the penalty is given on that grounds. Sod that, right? Basham has gone. He's seen Lingard through. Lingard's about to pull the trigger. And he's thought, do you know what? Sod it. I'm just going to clatter him. <laughs> and he clattered him. And also, well done to the ref for just giving him a yellow. Because I felt the ref could have easily pulled a red on that. I started laughing. <laughs> it's like respect laughing. respect to him. He had the balls to just go, yeah, yeah I, I've done a foul. So yeah. what? So <laughs> what? I fouled him. Good. <laughs> Oh, I started laughing, but you know what? Like, I could tell uh, Chris Wilder was disappointed because Chef <laughs> Schneider was still in the game. They were still in the game. Yeah, and that yeah. penny has been killed. What? Like, I kid you not, everyone in the press was like, what on earth are you doing? Like, what yeah. a stupid challenge to make. But listen, yeah. that worked out benefit. I remember there was a little bit of a, like, a quarrel between, not a quarrel, but like a, dis- a slight disagreement between uh, Lingard and Rice. And obviously, Rice still had the nerve to score. But you know what I liked about that, uh, mm. Sam? If that was last season between, let's say, I don't know, Felipe Anderson and, I don't know, Haller, I reckon that still would have bowled over to second half. That still would have led to, like, a bad performance. But with this new team, it's over and done with. Rice taking it, that's the, that's, the, that's it. It's, it's handled. After the match, we've seen, you know, Declan Rice and Jesse Lingard laughing about it. Like, it's, it's good to see that sort of stuff because 
uh, listen, I think our fans could disagree with me here, but I reckon if that was last season, it would have been different. Yeah. Yeah, it was... Uh, it, I mean, Lingard's performance, though, was incredible. So he, he scored twice in his debut against Aston Villa. I felt that he, like most of the team, weren't at their very best against Fulham. We, we had an off day against Fulham. I think we were tired or something. Um, so I was a bit worried and I thought, well, maybe Lingard's performance against Villa was like all based on the adrenaline you sometimes get from a debut. For last night, he was almost better. I mean, obviously he didn't score, although God knows he tried. Um, but what what, a, what he, he kind of was the fulcrum of the side last night, wasn't he? Like the ball always seemed to come to him and he just played with such positivity and directness that it, it almost changed us completely as a yeah. side for sure for sure and you know playing with confidence the way you glide gliding past the others in midfield basically around the midfield at one point i was thinking listen is this five aside like hackney marsh like like yeah. lingard just playing with so much confidence here. and it's great to see he had i think four shots on target the most by any west Ham player last night mm. and i feel like a performance definitely merited a goal i just want to see, I just want to see another celebration sam I want to see another funny celebration yeah. from Lingard. That's what I want. Oh, actually, Jay Lings. Jay Lings. Yeah, Jay. I call him yeah. Jay. Get, Jay. It, get Jay. it right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to get it right again. Yeah, so I'm really happy for him, man. We're seeing that that sort of improvement again in the, in, in the final third. We're creating more creating more opportunities. As I mentioned earlier, you know, Jabo and making some good runs. Lingard will find him at some point. He'll definitely find him at some point. And a lot of fans disagreed with me last night, but I felt like we saw a promising partnership developing between Lanzini and Lingard. So, yeah. And obviously fracturing the debut. I, I disagree with you with that. I've said before, yeah. I don't like Lanzi. I mean, I like him. I like what he's done for the club over the years. I think he's been a good player for us, but I don't like him in our team anymore. I think he's <laughs> the least, I think he's an ineffective player. I just yeah. think, you know, even at his very best, what he will do is just shift the ball around, right? But he doesn't do anything decisive in games. Mm. He doesn't play that killer final ball. He doesn't score, notwithstanding the all-time classic against Spurs. You know, and I just sort of think I, I couldn't... I was disappointed to see him selected ahead of both Ben Rama, who I think should be starting every game for us, and yeah. certainly, you know, Fornaus as well. After the great performances Fornaus has put in for us all season, he would have been gutted too. I just think his Moyes doing another test. I feel like Moyes does these little tests, but he doesn't reveal to the media where he wants to see how his players respond. As we touched on earlier, Bowen always being taken off and Bowen playing well last night. I feel like he's doing these little tests with Ben Rama to see how he reacts. Moyes is always a bit cautious for players for the championship. He wants to take a while to settle. And I feel like we've seen that with Ben Rama. Listen, when he when he, he provided assist for Frederick's goal last night, came against Man United and played well. So listen, we all wanted to start, but if he's on the bench, he will come on and have an impact. And mm. <laughs> for my Q&A, right, Obviously, I posted the team, and one I forgot who it was, but someone said the only reason why Lanzini started because it's his birthday, <laughs> and I started laughing because it reminded me um, ages ago when uh, Simon Jordan was chairman of Crystal Palace, and he said he sacked Trevor Francis on his birthday, and Trevor Francis sat there like, "But it's my birthday, like, why are you sacking me for?" So I immediately thought of that one. I thought Lanzini started eleven, obviously it being his birthday, but listen, I thought that was one of Lanzini's better performances. I don't feel like he's completely like. You know, absolutely no option to be a starting eleven. He still can, you know, provide a little bit. Let's say for an hour or so. But we all know, going forward, it should be Ben Rama the starting eleven. Yeah, I hoped. I hope that we will start um, at the weekend against Tottenham. 
with Ben Rama. Um, but I don't know. Moyes usually sticks with winning team. We won three 0 so I suspect he'll he'll be tempted to start with that same team, yeah. even if people come back from injuries. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Oh. I mean, what's the latest on Antonio? Well, I've been told that he'll definitely be back for the game against uh, Tottenham on Sunday. Mm. So I've been told the only reason why I missed the game last night was uh, precautionary. Just just don't want to risk it, but he'll definitely yeah. be back for the game against uh, uh, Tottenham on Sunday. And you know what? The pleasing thing about that win, we found a way to actually win a match convincingly without Antonio. The yeah. biggest frustration for that game against Man United was that it required extra time for us to lose. And if we had that focal point up front, I reckon we could have got a good result. We played, yeah. played Jarmolenko, didn't work. Played Mipo de Becco, I think he's a promising talent, but he's still young, so he needs a bit more time to you know get up to rhythm of Premier League football. We played yeah. Thomas Suchek, didn't really work. So you're thinking, oh, my God, like, how, how are we going to find a solution to, like, or plan B if Antonio keeps struggling with fatigue? And last night, Bowen, it worked. And hopefully moving forward, that'll be the uh, the option for West Ham. But very quickly, Sam, I want to give a massive, massive shout out to Ben Johnson. Because yes. he was amazing last night. Mm. Amazing. I'm not sure if you heard it on TV, but prior to coming off of Fredericks, there was a moment where he'd done this really good quote turn. And yeah. Noble shouted, well played, son. And I was thinking, <laughs> that is amazing. That That's is really great. good. Yeah, that what a great really feeling. Good. Well, well, so, yeah. great feeling. I mean, he, he, he's playing, the thing to remember is he's playing out of position. He's yeah. right-footed, right? But I tell you what, he, he can he can put the ball in on his left, which is so rare. And I'm always astounded that these are professional players who always have to cut inside onto their right if they're playing down the left, yeah? Um, and they really struggle to just... Whereas Johnson, he could, he's doing it no problem. I mean, imagine he'd be dynamite if he was playing in his natural position. But unfortunately, we got two fantastic other right backs over on the other side of the field. But I, I think that's the amazing thing. I mean, he's a left back. Last night, he was playing left wing back. So he had a huge amount of responsibility to actually fly down that wing in attack too. And uh, yeah, he was he was sensational. I mean, he's getting better with each performance, isn't he? For sure, and it's also it's always good to have a versatile defender, especially one that's so young. And that's why I know I'm going like a bit far back here with this point, but that's why the club were like, "Listen, Gekia, we want you to stay, but you can go. We have a promising young prospect in Ben Johnson. Yeah, we feel yeah. like he's the better talent here. So yeah, really happy for him. And, and, and I forgot what game it was, but he was in the front cover of the match day program, and he was like, he wants to become an integral member of the team. Like he backed himself to do well. Yeah. And last well, night it was he was asking for the ball, playing with confidence. So yeah, really good to see. We've touched upon the Tottenham game already, but obviously it is a big game. They joke and say it's a cup final. I always say, well, it's not really that. It's not prestigious as much as we really, really, really dislike you as a club. Um, the fans are up themselves, slightly deluded. They, they're they the Boise of, uh, I don't know if you're a fan of Only Fools and Horses, Rashane. Might not be your generation's thing, but if, if you're not familiar with it, there was a a character called Boise in Only Fools and Horses, who sort of, uh, you know, despite the fact he drank in the same pub and was from the same background as the rest of them, sort of affected this sort of faintly upper class sort of image uh, where he chomped on a big cigar and talked in a slightly kind of posh accent and uh, just decided on the basis of it was hard to work out why that he was better than everyone else. 
And that's why Spurs are quite a disliked club, quite aside from the fact of Jose Mourinho. I mean, I actually like Jose Mourinho. I think he, the bloke's a good laugh. And in fact, I'm delighted uh, how um, affronted he, all the Spurs fans are at his presence in their club. Um, but yeah, look, I hate Tottenham. I know that's juvenile, but I do. Um, I know I speak on behalf of 95% of other West Ham fans there. And so it's not a cup final. It's just we hate you and we want to beat you. And we hope that when we do, you won't do that thing that you do where you pretend that someone's poisoned you. And that's where <laughs> you Because that's super weird and a bit embarrassing. And you need to just learn that no one's poisoned you. You've just lost a game of football. Um, and I think they will. I'm confident. What about you? Yeah, yeah, very confident as well. That, that, that's hilarious, the whole lasagna game. That's, just, <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. Who right pretends, now, yeah. who makes up a story that <laughs> that they were put, like, I feel that football, the football community in general, do not focus enough on how insane Tottenham's whole attitude to that. I know we're going back a long way here, but lasagna gate is still bandied around all the time. And Arsenal fans... And West Ham fans, it's just sort of what the, the little bit of common ground we have with them in that you just sort of think, so wait a minute. you know, I mean, by the way, I was at that game, right? And it was a very competitive game. It was a good game. I didn't see anyone puke up, much less foul themselves, which is what they've subsequently claimed was happening in the changing room. So how they all went out there and managed to get through 90 minutes of football without doing either of those things on the pitch, I don't know. But... It was just a game of football and we beat them and they missed out on the Champions League. But they were so obsessed with two things. One is looking up at Arsenal, right? And just dreaming of being able to outdo Arsenal. And uh, number two is looking down at us and refusing to accept that West Ham could ever better them. Even though that season, we were just the following week, we were playing in the cup final against Liverpool. We were an excellent team that season, right? We'd drawn with them already at White Hart Lane. So why we shouldn't have beaten them up in Park, I don't know. But like I say, they're boisey, they're up themselves, they're deluded. Yeah. Yeah. And and they went to the length, and you can still engage Spurs fans on this today because they swear <laughs> blind. They went to length of making up a fantasy whereby the powers that be at Arsenal had sent, what, people in disguise as chefs to a hotel in the Docklands area to put laxatives in their lasagna the night before, and that's the only reason that they lost to West Ham in a Premier League fixture the next day and missed out on Europe. It's it's so insane that I don't think it is reflected upon enough by the football community. Rio Coca, Benayin! Yossi Benayin may well have finished off Tottenham Hotspur's European Champions League dream once and for all. I interviewed Callum Davenport on, on this subject. Obviously, the former West Ham and Tottenham defender. Mm. If you haven't read the interview, definitely check it out. He said, right, the Tottenham players had their stored sample checked. Mm. That's mm. how assistant Daniel Levy was yeah. about the yeah, freedom yeah. in Tampa. They had the stored yeah. sample checked. I was laughing so much. Because we bloody hell. Like, this is oh, just no. an extreme level of paranoia here. So the only response to that is to get everyone's feces analysed in a laboratory. <laughs> 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 oh, my God almighty. Oh. What a club Tottenham Hotspur are. How do you feel, confidence-wise, 
give me a percentage of confidence of how I'll, how, I'll, how, I'll how you feel. Don't no, not not about this result. This is no, just okay. the the, the, the my, our final thoughts, right? About us qualifying for the Champions League, for you being at a packed out London stadium next season, right? And hearing. Can you, is that a reality in your mind, Rashane? Well, first of all, I need to learn the lyrics for the theme song. Well, that's, that's no one knows the lyrics. No one knows the lyrics. It doesn't matter. Just just remember to say the champions at yeah, the right champion. bit. Yeah, and da, 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 yeah exactly. Um, oh, 100%. I'm going to say 70%. You're 70% yeah. confident that we will qualify for the Champions League. That's high, mate. Yeah. For the simple fact that right, other clubs in around West Ham right now have shown no consistency. There's a great mm. stat going around, but since the turn of the year, only Man City have picked up more points in the league than, than West Ham. West Ham have picked up 19 points in the league since the turn of the year. You've got Everton keep dropping points, Aston Villa keep dropping points. We've been an informed team, and I feel like we have a great chance to sneak in. We have a great chance to sneak in. West Ham are, are level on points with Chelsea on merit right now. I tell you what, London Stadium next season, Bayern Munich coming out against us and getting stuffed by West Ham with a Declan Rice brace. I can see it, mate. And it'll be all a lifetime of dreams finally coming true. Um, these are exciting times, really exciting times. What a time to be doing this podcast, Rashane. Let's wrap it up. Thanks as always, gang, for listening. If you want to get in touch with us, I'm um, Twitter at Delaney Man, but good vibes only. And Rashane Thomas, also good vibes only, is um, at Rashane Sport. Uh, Rashane, what you got coming up? I forgot to ask you, what we got coming up in the Athletic? What can we read about the Hammers this week? Well, definitely a piece on why Moyes is deserving of being LMA Manager of the Year. A piece on Cresswell's form. And yeah, I'm thinking of, uh, you know, putting four pieces out this week. So I'm not sure what the last one would be, but definitely something good for, for you listeners. The Champions League returns this week and there's no better time to sign up for all our unrivaled coverage at The Athletic. Until February 25th, we're offering new subscribers a half-price annual subscription. That's less than £1 a week for an entire year. To redeem that limited-time-only offer, go to athletic.com slash westhampod. That's athletic.com slash westhampod. And if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review. Nice one. All right, keep an eye on the website. Fantastic West Ham writing on the reg from our man, Rashane. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Until next time, come on your irons. And remember, ladies and gents, there's only one... Samasiabu! The Athletic.